Hey, welcome everybody. I'm uh, welcome to our mid Wednesday, middle of the week, our, our little break in the middle of the week to go talk about data. The way I like to say this, this is uh, an honest conversation about data management, uh, non salesy, non no BS. Let's just have an honest conversation. So, uh, we've been doing this uh, almost for three months now. Uh, we got a Slack channel if you're interested or uh, you can go um, on social media, use the hashtag Halloween Cocktails. And another cool thing is that you can go find all the episodes on Spotify. <laughs> by the way, go ahead and share it, Tim. <laughs> no, that was by accident there. So the thing that we were excited about uh, is that, um, uh, as you were saying, uh, Juan, we're on, we're on Spotify now. We're also on, um, on Apple, uh, if you use uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, and we have a uh, a theme song now, which is pretty cool. So we're gonna play that for y'all, and you can you can check it out. So, without further ado, here we go. Well, that's courtesy of our one of our couple of our founders and musicians, uh, Mr. Brian Jacob, Mr. John Loyan. So that's pretty cool. So every time you listen to the episodes on Spotify or on your podcast, favorite podcast, uh, you'll go listen to that song. But anyways, cheers, man. I am. I needed to get out of my house, and I'm on the lake right now. So <laughs> cheers. Cheers. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, thank, you, thank you, Brian, for putting that together. That's, that's awesome. Sure thing. It was fun. Yeah, so I am having, this is, uh, I got this, this is inspired from actually from Brian, some ginger beer with, uh, by using the scotch. It's actually pretty good, just scotch and ginger beer. So that's my nice refreshing drink today. What are you having? I don't think I've ever had a scotch and ginger before. I am grabbing something a little bit further back in my uh, closet. It is a uh, oh, Glenmorangie nice. uh, Nectar Door. It's pretty solid. So if anybody, uh, just come on in the chat. Where are you guys coming from? And what are you all drinking uh, or not drinking? And, and um, always happy to have everybody here. So um, I'm very excited about this conversation today. Well, I'm always inside about all conversations but this one is really kind of it's hitting this really nice spot that we've been building up kind of by accident that's another thing i want to like these conversations that we have are just really so informal like we really don't we don't script these like we kind of have topics but we think we move things around and over the last couple of months now right we've been talking about your different personas of data right uh your producers your consumers we've talked about features like data lineage like knowledge graphs we talked about data governance and data policy. And one of the things that is this overarching topic about everything is don't boil the ocean. And this is something I bring up all the time and every single person I talk to, I'm like, wait, do not boil the ocean. This is just, it's, 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 it's a recipe for failure. But it's easier said than done. Like how do we, like we, we kind of agree that we shouldn't boil the ocean, but how do we not boil the ocean? How do we avoid boiling the ocean? And, and we can go in and start talking about more technical aspects. So let's go, you should have this type of, of, of features or this specific methodology and stuff. But this is something that we've been kind of talking a lot internally with Tim and also a lot of folks within data.world and also our, our, a lot of our colleagues and prospects and customers. And we've come up with kind of these sets of principles 
these 10 principles around something that we call agile data governance. And we just want to take this time to go through little, let's go through all these 10 principles, Tim, and let's go chat about them. And then I'm really curious to open up discussion afterwards to see what people have to say about it. Like, what do they agree with? What do they not agree with? What should they be taken out? What is missing? So. Yeah, I love that. And I think that we've, we've heard a bunch um, over the course of, you know, what are we on now? Episode 12 or something like that now? Yeah, um, 11. it's 11 today. 11? Ah, that's awesome. That's, I mean, it's been, uh, we've had a lot of guests and we've had a lot of conversations and I feel like we now have a lot of anecdotes and a lot of uh, things that we can connect to these. So um, maybe I'll actually go ahead and drop this blog uh, link into the chat just in case folks are curious to even see what these are. Um, and, you know, the first one that uh, I know that we were talking about and thinking a lot about is just going back to the goal of governance, right? Because we've, we've talked about sort of data enablement. We had a newt join us and he talked a lot about how we want to avoid sort of creating a policing function. We really want to create a data, data enablement function. Uh, and we talked about data policy, for example. Um, you know, this idea that we don't want governance to increase sort of obscurity and doubt and confusion and delay, but rather governance should increase transparency, trust, understanding, and speed. So that's the first principle that we have. Yeah, so I remember I'm putting that, I'm just writing that down in the chat. So the conversations, I remember we had one with Karina and with the new, with Karina, it was, this came out of the blue was, this analogy of like being in a car, like you're being on a highway and governance is there like your speed limit, right? But it's not there to kind of prevent you to go do things. And depending where you are, like you'll have higher speed limits. And that means that you're able to go do more things. Uh, so some places speed limit is 25, 35. And there's reasons for that. Sometimes it's 60, 65, you go 80. Or if you're in Germany in the autobahn, you don't have a speed limit, right? You have, so it's just, you're preparing yourself, you're preparing that highway uh, and, and the governance is, is kind of telling you how much that highway is prepared. And I think it's, it's about being transparent. You can go trust that, but it's not about what you're not supposed to go do. And I think this is what I really like talking that to Anoop was a whole conversation about, as you mentioned, governance is like policing. It's like that, oh, I'm afraid the risk aspect. And no, it should be an enabler of things. And that's why being transparent is actually a positive thing. We gotta we gotta turn kind of we gotta turn all the aspects of governance into the positive instead of just protecting us from all the bad things. I think that's the first that's the first principle that we talk about. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. And I think when you flip things on its head like that, you start to think about not just how governance can be a, a defensive value proposition, but also uh, one that where you can go on offense and focus on creating value. And I think that's a really great segue into the uh, the second um, uh, of the of the principles, which is start with the business problems and analytics questions you have today. Uh, and this is really going back to that don't boil the ocean approach and really trying to say, hey, don't just come at it from a, hey, let's prevent risk and then think of what's the big blanket I can throw everything to sort of prevent risk but rather how do I solve risk and compliance in the context, first of all, with the business question uh, at the center. And some of the things that I've worked a lot with clients before is when you think about what are the business problems that you have today, I put them kind of in two buckets. One is their business, their questions that you have 
that you are able to respond today, but you get multiple answers for the same question. Right? You don't trust it. You don't know where it comes from. Like you ask different people, you get different answers. That's, that, I think that's one of the key issues that you want to be able to go do. And another one is, okay, I'm able to answer this question today, but it just takes too much time. I, I was I, I was talking to a prospect uh, actually right before this call, and 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 he's like, "Well, we're trying to go answer this question, it, but it will take a week." I don't want to say honestly it's a week, but yeah, it'll take a week. And and then this is a question that comes up over and over again. And I mean, the parameters change, but essentially it's the same type of question. Why does that take a week? And even though I once I get the answer, I do trust it, but it takes a week. It shouldn't take that week. So. Let's go figure out what are those business questions, questions that I can answer today, but it takes too long or questions that answer that I get answers today, but I get multiple answers, but I can't trust them. Let's go catalog all those questions today and let's go prioritize them and let's literally knock them out. And that's a way to help you kind of find some guardrails, define what is a pilot and that's why you won't avoid boiling the ocean and you tie it to particular business value and a business need today. Uh, so that, I think that's the second principle. Yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, we have a few of our customers at Data.World that are, are uh, you know, they're a little bit further along in their journey and they are making a really great choice, which is uh, to focus on what they've been calling use cases. And so I, I love that, um, that, you know, different folks that we're working with and, and we're pushing this on our new customers as well are thinking about how do you make use cases a centerpiece of the catalog, not just your data, right? It's, it's a knowledge catalog, not just a data catalog. Yeah. Um, so our third one that we have, and yeah, by the way, I, as I said, I'm outside and the cicadas, you can hear them. Hopefully they're not too annoying. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. And the background looks great too. I feel bad for our, our listeners who will be listening to the, uh, the Spotify coming up. They won't, they won't get to see the, the great background you got going on. So let's go to the third one. So we have third one, we call it iterate quickly to build better habits and get to value faster. And I think this is this is a, this is just an agile principle. And something that we didn't we didn't start the conversation on this is that we really need to build based on our history, right? And we look at the history of of agile software development. It's around being building fast, right? And just kind of let's go quickly and let's go. We learn from the things that we iterate very quickly. And an aspect that I see that we need to go do better as a data as as an enterprise data management community is. We really need to treat data as an asset, like, like a software asset. And it's something that we know it won't be perfect from the beginning. It will get better and we'll start iterating. We'll have different versions around that. And I think that's something that we need to go get. We cannot expect that when the data comes out, it will be perfect because that's boiling the ocean. It's let's go different versions and people will understand and they can get the feedback and then we can learn so much from that. And that's going to help us get to value faster. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I know we've brought up the idea of data product management several times in, in this, uh, this series, right? And I think that one of the things that product managers think a lot about that, you know, some of the more forward-thinking governance professionals and, and data teams we see doing something similar is they think a lot about scope. They think about what is the right scope that I'm tackling in this given sort of iteration that I'm doing, this given part of this phase of this project. Um, and, and they try really hard to control scope creep, right? To really make sure that if you, if you don't try to bite off too much, um, you can actually get to value faster. And because why do you want to get it up there faster? 
you want feedback, right? In the end, as data producers, we serve the data consumers, right? Exactly. And, and you want to be able to get that feedback as early as possible because once you spend so much time building it and you're so proud of it, but then, and then later on people say, well, wait, that's not how I expect it. You have to go figure out in that process and all those iterations you did, where do you make that change? So that's why you should iterate quickly and get, and get feedback. And that's how you can get the value faster. So here's another one. The next one we have is one person's work should help everyone else's. And this is basically do not reinvent the wheel and just how much wheel being reinvented is, is, is it's, it's not just annoying. It's actually depressing. When you go see people try so proud of all the work that they've done to generate this data, this analysis, and they and somebody else is like, wait, I already did that. Or I did something very similar that you could have reused. And you're so proud that you spent, I don't know how much time around this. And you think it was small amount of time. Well, if you would have used the work that I did before, guess what? You would have reduced that 90%. Like we really need to get into that habit about being able to go reuse, uh, uh, reuse our work. We make the analogy with software is like, that's why we have libraries. We don't, nobody else goes up and reinventing all these different methods. We have libraries of stuff. Like maybe there is actually data I can go reuse or some sort of analysis or, or part of the data processing pipeline could be reused if I understand it, if that's shared with me. Um, mm -hmm. That's another key one. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and this is where, you know, transparency is critical because in order to leverage other people's work, it needs to be, findable, it needs to be uh, leverageable, right? Uh, and the only way you can do that is to make it make it transparent and, and, and allow people to collaborate around it. And, and that doesn't just apply to sort of data and use cases, it applies to business rules, it applies to data policy, it applies to, to governance, it applies to process, right? When one part of your business is doing something and it's doing it effectively, uh, and they're learning and they're iterating and they're getting better, um, that learning shouldn't happen in isolation. It should benefit the whole company. And, and if you want to go reuse, you want to understand how many how something is being calculated, and you want to be able to know. Wait, we're we're ha we this is using the same word. This column, what does this column actually mean? I want to go look it up and see what it means. And and maybe we realize, wow, we're using the same word that means different things, slightly different things. The calculations are different. Like I would calculate this with a different percentage or, 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 or I would include this, add this other feature or, or subtract this other feature. And you want to be able to go add that because if you're not transparent about that, then if you go do reuse somebody else's work, you're probably using it in the wrong context. So that's why again, transparency is a key aspect here, which is one of the first ones that we started with. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and I think that's a, a great segue into the fifth principle, which is that give all stakeholders ways to add knowledge and improve data assets. Because thinking of one person's work helping everyone else is very asymmetric if you're only think of, thinking of it as one directional. When you're thinking only of the data producers and the data governors and those people, they're, they're deciding the winners and losers and they're pushing everything downstream, right? Um, for example, you just gave a good example, um, uh, Juan, of sort of like a glossary. Like there's a term that everyone doesn't agree upon. We work together as part of my analysis that I was doing. I figured it out. I came to a resolution on what that glossary term is and what orders means in our organization or whatever it is. 
if I, as a data analyst or a data consumer, don't have a way to then contribute that knowledge back while it's fresh, while it's relevant, um, that doesn't allow us to, uh, to keep that flow going and, and sort of have that quality and that governance be effective. And, and think about it. The, this is when it's key to understand who are the personas involved. And I think when we had that episode, like your data, when we talked about data personas, like the word data doesn't have to be in your title to be a data user or data persona. I mean, folk, C-level executives, they're the ones who are, who are ultimately going to be consuming the data. They're the ultimate consumer data making decisions. They're going to have thoughts about how they, they see the data, about the words around them, how they're being interpreted. They want to understand how something was calculated. They want to be able to provide the feedback and say, no, this is wrong, or no, we should think about it this other way. Like, how do I capture that? So you really want to be able to have ways to be able to capture all type of feedback in order to improve all types of data throughout the entire process from the producers all the way to the consumers. And I think that's why it's, it's, it's important that you have tools that allow you to, 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 to combine the people and, and, and to bring in a little bit, of, to, to, to put a, I, I, again, I don't want to be the salesy person here, but a cool feature, a very small feature in data world that I like, but it's, it's a small feature, but it's really critical is that you have these discussions around everything. Discussions aren't just on about the data set. The discussion is about uh, on people. It's about on, on analysis. It's about on the glossary terms, on everything that you're doing. You want to be able to have any type of discussion because you want to have the discussions connected to the actual assets. And I think that's a very important thing that, that I really hope people strive to. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that, that context is critical in order to to have a full picture, which, which goes into this sixth principle here, which is keep data, people, docs, and analysis connected and accessible from the beginning. Uh, and I think this is an interesting one because to your point about discussions, and I think this is true of any relationships between data, you know, sometimes we'll run into um, uh, customers or folks who kind of think that, hey, let's, let's implement sort of one thing in isolation uh, maybe maybe we'll build our dashboard catalog and we'll build our our, um, our our data catalog for our data warehouse and let's add more data, add more analysis, add more data, add more analysis. And they're just kind of thinking of it in terms of um, these these just assets. As long as I get them in, then we're good. Um, whereas one of the things that we're really trying to push people to think about is the value of context and the things that context are going to unlock for you if you invest in it from the beginning. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of different ways that context can happen, including lineage, which we've had, you know, uh, a couple of uh, episodes that we've talked about. So, and this is, everything gets connected, right? I think that's why we, we also talked about why you want to, why your data catalog should be built on a knowledge graph or just on graph technologies, because you really want to connect everything with everything. And the, what better way to go do it based on a graph? I mean, and, and we go all the large companies are either, if they're not using a, they're not using a data catalog, they've built their own data catalog and they've really built it on top of graph technology because they want to start connecting people together with the data that they're connecting and, and, and the analysis. I think that's really, really important to have every, have the potential to connect everything with everything. That's an important principle there. Yeah. So the next, next one that we have is about documentation is make documentation easy and iterative or it won't happen. And for me, the documentation is like that, that, that it's, it's a necessary evil. Right? People are annoyed about doing documentation. But again, if we think, think about it from the, again, from the software perspective, if you're going to go 
write code and you're going to push it, you're going to add comments to your code so other people can go understand what you've done. Re and they, when they're going to go reuse it, they, understand, they, they can go read the documentation around it and go make, understand it. Why don't we want to go do the same thing around data? And then, and then we start complaining that, oh, I, there's, I, I don't understand what this data is. Well, of course you don't understand it because nobody added any documentation around it. I mean, documentation can start from just making you have the column names be something understandable, readable, right? Not just code for things. Uh, and then add more documentation around that little by little. And just, we need to have a way so it is easy to get done. And, and, and here's the other thing. It's like, again, don't boil the ocean. Don't expect that we're going to get all the documentation right before we release it. Release it, have something, and then keep iterating. And if you go connect it with the previous uh, principle, let people, I mean, let people get, get everybody connected. They're going to start complaining about it. And you're going to have, you're going to realize, wow, this is important. People do not understand it. Let me go add more documentation to add more context about it. Yeah. And I, I think that a key to documentation and why it's so important is, is that so much knowledge lives in people's heads, right? And so much knowledge isn't necessarily in the analyst or the data engineer. It's in the line of business. It's in subject matter experts and things like that, right? And you want them to be a part of the documentation process, which, you know, uh, we'll, we'll talk more at some point about crowdsourcing and, and sort of collective intelligence and some of our thoughts are around that. But, um, you know, uh, TLDR is, well, you know, we we want to capture people's contributions and bring them into the catalog, um, and uh, and and it's not uh, it's not something you can avoid, right? I, I think there's a, a goal uh, in the space of governance and catalogs to anchor too hard on AI and automation that oh we could just have a machine sort of apply all the tags and we can have a machine fill out all the descriptions and things like that, but. Um, you know, that's, that's hard to do in the context of an enterprise, right? A machine hasn't had the ability to really see how work gets done, uh, which is critical to an effective catalog and effective uh, governance strategy. And even, and, I, and, and I've mentioned this to, to many people, it's like, okay, imagine you do have the machine that you click a button, it crawls all your data, your metadata, and it adds tag to it. So what? What are you going to do? Are you going to accept it willy-nilly, just that's it? And you're going to go search to make decisions behind that? Are you really going to go do that? Trust that blindly? No, you're not. You will still have to go in and understand this, want to go check what, they, what the machine automatically did. And then you end up, they, they added tags and annotations for all thousands of data elements. Guess what? You're still going to have to go through all thousands of data elements manually. Okay, maybe it's a little bit faster. You can go click and check, but still you have to go through that stuff. So this whole idea that, you, that we expect AI to go document everything manually, automatically, is really something that we, we, we need to sit down and, and, and calm ourselves down, not drink that Kool-Aid, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's part of the equation, right? But it's it is. Not I'm not saying it isn't. Right. End, it's it's not the, it. It, yeah, it, it's not the end-all be-all, though, right? It has to interplay with expertise and the experts in your, in your company, as well as the wisdom of the crowds, right? Because a lot of times, knowledge is kind of spread throughout the organization. I always say, is it, um, talk about human in the loop, but is it really human in the loop or is it machine in the loop? Like, what is that balance between human and machine, right? But, so this is a good way to the, to, the, to the next principle that we have, which is promote good statistical and scientific methods. Uh, I think this, this falls in I two think, categories for me. Mm -hmm. One is on the, as a data scientist, right? 
if we're really going to call this this role of scientists, data scientists, you are should be establishing some sort of hypothesis. You are you you have a hypothesis about something. You're going to try to find evidence to support that hypothesis, right? That's literally the scientific method. Now, this other area that I've been that I've been kind of advocating this knowledge scientist is is that role in the middle, right? And that that data product manager where you have the consumers of data, you have the producers of data. And I'm calling this a knowledge scientist because there are also hypotheses of how we believe the data should be interpreted. And when we, and we believe the data should be interpreted this way, let me go gather it and I'll find out there's multiple ways and I don't know. So I have to go find, make experiments and go test it with people. Do you think this is the right data? Do you think this, this view of the data is, is better or not? What does better actually mean? Like you have those issues, like the, the scientific part applies not on the, on the data science for consuming data, but also on the, on the, produ on the production and management of data. Yeah, and, and I feel like, uh, you know, data literacy is really key to having effective governance and effective data enablement, right? And I think that one of the most important aspects of literacy that's going to make everyone more effective at being safer and more effective with data is to understand things like, um, you know, not just sort of good scientific approach, but also things like bias, like what are biases in data, right? And how do I understand that? Um, you know, what are um, sort of the different techniques to get answers from data, right? What, what is the difference between, uh, you know, one bar chart or another, or, you know, this way of explaining it or that way, or this filter or that filter. So, you know, lit literacy is really important to, uh, to do things smart and do things right. Um, number nine, that one is that analytics are more valuable while it's happening, not just when it's done. And this is really emphasizing the process, not just the, the sort of the means, not just the end. I think that goes back to, we can't wait till it's done, it's perfect, right? Again, let's not even boil the little mini ocean right here. Like, let's go iterate quickly. Let's go do some stuff. Let's go to analytics. Let's go share this, share this. And then let's go get the feedback and we'll realize, wait, no, like some, somebody does not believe that because they have a lot of anecdotal experience that that cannot be true. There's something wrong in there, right? Well, let's get that back because maybe there is something wrong or maybe we're, 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 we're finding something else that that person is not aware of. Like, let's go have the, the, the generation of data, not just the generation of data should be iterative. It's also the analytics should also be iterative. And, and it's always gonna mm -hmm. be continuous. And we have to acknowledge it's gonna change and it's gonna get updated. Yep. And, and I think that, um, you know, just one last comment on that is that, um, you know, I think a lot of times in governance or in catalogs, it's easy to think of sort of like the data producers and the data consumers, and they live on one side of the fence or the other, right? And when you think that way, you lose this whole other part of that agile loop, which is the consumer loop, right? Where they're using the data, finding things out about the data, and then that, that's knowledge that should be coming back. And that's like, uh, you know, uh, something that I think ties really well into that fifth principle as well in terms of making sure that you're capturing that and, and including everybody as part of the overall cycle. Yep. So we got to our last one right on time here. So the last principle we have here is make the user experience twice as good as the products and practices it competes with to earn adoption. And I think 
you want, we can, you can have all these tools, you can have everything like, but at the end, there's humans involved. The humans are the ones who are going to be consuming the data, producing the data. We need to be able to provide them an experience that they're actually going to enjoy, that they're actually going to adopt. And so it better be, you imagine your current baseline, we need to improve based on, on, on that. So that's a, a, a very crucial thing. So whenever you're thinking about what are the practices that you're gonna go establish? What are the tools that you're gonna go bring on board? We should need to think about it better be improving at least 2X the current our status quo on that. Yep, and if you're solving pains for end users, hopefully you're not adding new pains, right? You need oh, to make true. sure that <laughs> you're not replacing the governance professional's spreadsheet with just a different tool that's just as hard to use, right? We have to make the lives easier of the people that are trying to do these different things. Yeah, for sure. So to wrap up here, any idea, is there something else you want to go add? Would you, is there something no, you personally? For me personally. Uh, out of everything we've spoken here, before we open it up to everybody else. No, I think on the spot that, here. Uh, <laughs> no, totally. No, I think that, uh, in general, I, I love this agile approach to thinking about data management. And, I, and I, I'm really excited about the tie-in that it can bring to sort of more general concepts from agile product management and agile sort of, um, sort of scrum methodology and things like that and how we can start to become more iterative and more inclusive in the ways and more end user focused in the ways that we do governance. And so at least personally, I'm super excited about how we can dive more into that topic and I think we've got some exciting uh, episodes that are going to dive into some more specific areas of this uh, coming up. So um, I'm very, very jazzed up about that. Yeah, and so to wrap up, I had this conversation, I had a conversation with somebody today, and a quote from Reid Hoffman came up, which is, you know, the defender of, of LinkedIn. If you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've launched too late. And that really summed it up for me a bit on, on this aspect is we – when we're going, when we're generating data, we're doing, we're, we're doing our analysis. It's okay if we're embarrassed. If we're not embarrassed, that means that it's been too late. Like we should have been iterating before. We should have been getting feedback uh, earlier. So with that, I'd like to wrap up this conversation. Fantastic, Tim. I'm really glad we went through all these things and uh, look forward to the conversation with everybody else here. Thanks for your yeah, time. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers, Tim. Cheers.